How's that level? Nice and loud for you. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm assuming that you went back and listened to the podcast last week to understand that all the levels were set correctly, that it wasn't just blowing you out, right? I'm guessing. Anyway. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but I didn't go back and listen. Oh, you didn't go back and listen. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Your one-stop shop for legal advice, especially if you're in California. But if you're a motorcycle rider, you have something going on, bike911.com, get a hold of our guy. Um, and this week, we're going to talk about World Superbike from the UK. We got some Mirai news, and there is no racing next week. Well, Promoto is racing next week. But other than that, should be a pretty short one, Jason, because we're in the middle of summer break. But let's welcome in Jason Pridmore because everybody loves Jason Pridmore. Mm, Even the people yes. on the street at his hometown at Pete's uh -huh. Coffee. Yes. Huh? What's uh -huh. up? What are you doing, G-Dub? <laughs> I am just preparing to get out of here to go to a to get my dick knocked in at a national archery tournament. That's Great. To Sounds like a good time, man. Yes. Yeah, yes. well. But it's my favorite form jay it's the form that i've told you about for field archery which is like golf right so 28 targets in the woods you shoot yeah, four arrows I per target 112 arrows yeah it's very challenging unfortunately it's a dying sport because nobody nobody these nobody days cares shoot 112 because, arrows no, man because nobody cares <laughs> yeah 112 no, I mean, arrows yeah 112 arrows is a lot i mean the dominate the dominant form of archery is called uh 3d and generally like they shoot 20 arrows a day, dude. That's yeah. it. They shoot 40 arrows total for the tournament. And then they go into the top five from after those 40 arrows, the top five go into a shoot down and they shoot one arrow at five targets. And whoever has the highest score wins like freaking a lot of money, you know, wow. 10, 15 grand plus. Yeah. So wow. when you, when you have that sport as popular as it is, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, you and I have been through it where when I was coming up in, in racing, uh, where endurance was great. And then eventually yeah. it kind of fell off because people were just, uh, you know, it's kind of had a resurgence a little bit, but world endurance has, but obviously we know Suzuki's not going to participate anymore, but that was last year. Yeah. But did you see that the team actually came out and said, we're still going to be here? Like the cert Yoshimura team. And I read a couple things. I saw what Keith Hewen wrote about. It's almost more of a shock that Suzuki is pulling out of world endurance than it is them pulling out of MotoGP. So it was like because it was they really haven't ever pulled out. They haven't ever pulled out a world endurance, right? They've Team they Suzuki, have pulled out a GP. Cert has always been Cert. Now it's Yoshimura too. You know they've been involved. So it's they've they have just been a mainstay. You know it only got like the Yoshimura um, uh, title a couple of few years ago because most of the time it was just Cert, right? Suzuki Endurance Racing Team. They have been around forever. And I was happy to see that they came out basically saying that they are still going to be back next year, no matter what. So I don't know exactly what's getting worked out there or how it's happening, but you know, you know, world endurance French wise, the French absolutely just go nuts over the endurance stuff. So, you know, the fact that, that they are still there to, to be involved, GW is, is a good thing. When I raced BMW boxer cup at, spa it was during a world endurance event i was literally and just gonna ask you that i was literally just it, gonna ask you that that's crazy dude it's so it was so awesome to be there and you know so so it was like there was bmw boxer cup there was an r6 cup there was a zx6 yeah. cup. there were so many support classes that go along 
at least at that time, you know, and, and um, so they were, so fans were entertained, but, but much like the old Brainerd, you know, when we used to go to Brainerd, man, and they would have the zoo in the middle. Now we pit in the middle. There were people there at the races that had no idea a race was even going on because they were like in the middle of the racetrack and they were there to party. The French were, you know, because Spa, I mean, there were plenty of French fans that were there and it was the craziest environment. The stands, like the the grandstands and stuff, 100% packed with people, even during our races. And our, our races were short, you know, because we they, we were, they were just lining up all those support races. But They were the lead-up. Yeah, they were the lead-up. And I've seen different types of lead-ups to World Endurance Championship stuff. I mean, I've seen um, World Championship sidecar races that are you, you can't even compare that to over here, obviously, that were amazing. You know, one year at, at MagniCord, they had the adaptive. Like, these guys were on full-blown superbikes, some with no legs, um, some were paralyzed. Some, some didn't have arm, an arm. Um, and so what they, cause what they would do G dub is they would pit right outside our garage during their races. Right. That was like their hot pit. So it was, it was really, it, it was wild watching these guys and they were fast. And like I said, some of them, some of them didn't have legs and, and they were just, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild to watch that stuff. So, well, you know, I but, think, you know, you look at endurance racing back, you know, 60s 70s 80s the 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 plight of endurance was so different i mean if you were a manufacturer you wanted to be involved so you could say you know hey the reliability because motorcycles weren't all that reliable even in the 80s and and into the 90s but nowadays i mean dude think about think about what happens in stock thousand there are plenty of people that race stock thousand for instance that don't even touch their motor or let's take a look at super sport moto america super sport with the gsxr 750 right when I talked to Keith, uh, Keith Perry from the, you know, Team Hammer, which is the people that really are building most of the GSXR 750s now for Supersport, I think the, when I talked to him last, I think he said that they had built seven or nine of those things already. The first four times, they broke into the motor to double check everything, right? To double yeah. check everything. But everything was so perfect in that motor that they don't even bother doing that anymore. They don't even need to. The manufacturing's so good. So here you have just a hundred percent stock motor, and you just go out and wring the neck out of the thing, you know, every session, and you don't even have to worry about things. But definitely you couldn't do that. So I think like endurance used to play a role that's a lot different back in the day than it is now. Now endurance seems like it's like more of an entertainment thing than it used to be for these. For you know, where last you know, even when you were riding, Jay, I mean, how many people were breaking down? Not as many yeah, in the eighties, but probably less now. You know, than you know, I, I would agree. And 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 the level over there now, there's factories from all teams. All teams have like factories. I mean, Ducati support. even has them. even Ducati. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, so it's been a it's the series has gotten wildly popular. It's also a place where a rider could go get paid. I mean, believe it or not, you can actually get paid money to go race World Endurance for some of these teams. And you know, for me. Hey, Greg, you talk about the reliability. When I rode for Pens over there, which was arguably the best BMW team at that time over there, especially we had uh, in the stock thousand super in the super stock category over there. Um, Greg, they used to tell me that they would not even touch, literally not even touch the motor. They'd get it from the manufacturer, they'd plug it in the bike, because I questioned them a couple of times. The bikes were so fast, and I was like, "What is like? What have you guys done? Like, hey, what's happening here? Are we cheating or what are we doing?" They're like, "Hey." <laughs> We've not even taken the motor apart because they're just that reliable that they just, 
they'd get them from wherever they came from and, and they'd run them. So yeah, it's uh world endurance is if you, if you are a real fan of racing, I always said, there's a few things you got to do. I think Isla man's one of them just because it's the atmosphere. If you're a motorcyclist, but going to the Lama 24 hour is a must. I mean, Lama 24 hour over Magni core for sure. Although they, I think they go to Paul Ricard now in the South of France, which is unbelievable for the bull door. Hmm. But but Lama is a, it's if you go there for a 24 hour endurance race, your mind will be blown. You will not believe the atmosphere and all that stuff that's going into it. So yeah, the energy yeah. level people can sustain at a 24 hour as oh. a fan is, re- oh. is insane. It is crazy. But anyway, anyway, listen, you know we got some stuff to talk about, so let's yeah. go ahead and yeah. break into our news presented by Arai. that time of year we know that there's a massive heat wave in the northeast from the south all the way to the northeast which means you're sweating and you're going to ride your motorcycle and you need to wear your helmet because you're trying to be safe even though it can be uncomfortable in 109 degrees as i proved last year at uh, the ridge but anyway you want to make sure your helmet's clean with an awry helmet you can take the liners out and you can put them in the washing machine and wash those things did you know that I did Heck now. Yeah, man, you can rip the whole thing apart, JD, beach style, like he does after every single session, practically. Likes to keep his helmet nice and clean. It's part of what makes an Arai helmet so special and unique. Go check out AraiAmericas.com for more information. AraiAmericas.com. All right, Jay, let's kick things off because obviously we woke up to some good news. If you're a Johnny Ray fan, he has re signed with Kawasaki for the next two years in World Superbike. We're going to talk about what happened this weekend in the UK. But Jason, what are your thoughts on Johnny Ray sticking it out with Kawasaki? Well, I don't know exactly where Johnny would have gone. I know Chuck went over to uh, England, I think, this weekend. I heard them say he was walking around over there. So it would have been fun to get, you know, Chuck on the phone and find out what he was over there for, other than to maybe solidify this deal for Johnny. Hey, sorry, everybody. Jason's talking about Chuck Axlin, who's the CEO of sorry. America and also uh, Johnny Ray's manager. Thank Not you. Not everybody's yes. your best friend, Jason. Not no, see, Greg friend. always has to remind me that that this is all going on. But thank you so much for correcting me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. a- I'm adding. I'm adding. Yeah. I'm not correcting. I'm mm-hmm. just letting people know. Okay, it's called. Uh, it's called. Um, I'm sure they would have figured Second out that City. I'm talking about. I'm sure they would have figured out I'm talking about his manager when I said he's over there, kind of sniffing around and doing whatever. They would have probably figured it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how do we know that Chuck wanted his last name mentioned? You dick. So there you go. Richard. Yeah, Richard. Sorry. Um, How dare you? <laughs> anyways, uh, I, you know, with Batista signing for two years there at Ducati, I, I didn't really know where Johnny was going to end up because I heard. That I saw a thing that Carl Fogarty said of like, don't do what I did. Don't make a mistake and leave what you're already doing with winning and stuff like that. Because remember, Fogarty was at Ducati. I'm talking about Carl Fogarty, Greg. You know, the guy that won a bunch of World Superbike Championships just for, you know. Anyways. Well, just so you know, I rode his bike at Mizano after I just crashed the 748R. In the last year, he won his world title. So, yeah, I know know who Carl Fogarty is. I don't even know why I try to engage in these conversations. (laughs) Anyways, I didn't see him going to Ducati, although how interesting would that have been to see him on that Ducati? Oh, that would have been everybody's probably worst nightmare. But regardless of that, um, I'm happy to see him stay there. He's got a great relationship with Cowie. He's been there for, I think it'll be 10 years, they said. By the time this this contract's over, it'll be ten years, and he's won six championships. 
I mean, the, it's pretty impressive. So, do hold on. This is this is an interesting bit. Do yeah. you associate? Do you associate with him with Kawasaki? Johnny. When you think of Johnny Ray, do you think yeah? Um, it's an interesting. You know what's question, weird for I've me? I've never really thought about me? it. I always thought you about. Know what him I mean, as, like. Yeah. Like if I say Scott Russell, who do you so who do you associate Scott with? Kawasaki, yeah, for sure. Muzzy Kawasaki, right? Like yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no question. Johnny for me there's was some, always Pat a Honda, you know. Me, me too. And that's the yeah. funniest thing when you say ten years, I. It's amazing, right? I just I, like the color red. When I think Johnny Ray, I the color red pops into my head after all this time, you know. And it's it's so weird how that works. Just like do you, you know, know, you associate what, numbers, right? Like I have a code to get into my club. And yeah. in, uh, you know what I mean? And my code is like, yeah. like associated, like it would be, it's not the code, but let's say it'd be top rack, Jason Pridmore. Like oh that's yeah. How yeah. I know yeah. The four digit code, two number. I still remember Johnny on the 65 Honda. And what's mm-hmm. crazy to me is about that whole thing. Just talking about Johnny for a minute here is that Greg, he was on legitimately for a few years there with that Honda. It was the worst bike, the worst bike in the paddock. And that guy was as, riding, as you know, the from as you know, wheels. from firsthand experience. Well, yeah, I do. I do know a little bit, but my bike was definitely not up, up to snuff to what like check in them were running that year. But the thing is, is that is that you wonder how many championships he would have won. I look, that's called paying your dues, right? You're paying your dues. He was still getting paid to ride a Honda. It was, you know, and, and how that worked. And then, you know, he, he ran off and, and, uh, but he but he outrode that GP Honda. He outrode that 100%. Honda to the point where it got him the Kawasaki ride. Because he was crashing. I, I remember him crashing. There's a few things I really remember about Johnny. Like I used to always sit there and watch and think, man, this guy is riding the wheels off this bike. Like he is riding it so hard, and you could see. But I remember, um, I remember a Jonathan Green call at Magni Core when Johnny Ray was leading by a bunch and. He fell over, and I know the turn he fell over in because I have crashed there myself. Mm. Um, and when he picked it back up, he fell over again, getting out of the gravel. Like he was leading the race by like six seconds. He crashes, picks the bike up, and falls over again. And I, I, Jonathan Green, with his accent and the way he said whatever he said, he's like, "Oh, Johnny!" Like the way he did it, I sat there and laughed for five minutes. <laughs> just, just it was just the way Jonathan Green said it. And I felt so bad for Johnny crashing again in the in the gravel. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those things you did where he kind of just got he ran to the bike, picked it up, kind of went to get going again, and just toppled over again. Yeah. And um and it was like, but I remember him paying those dues on that bike. And I mean, he came right out I, the first year he rode for Cal. He came right out, and won the championship, and just just stomped him. And you think, man, can you imagine if this guy would have been on good bikes for all the years he spent on that Honda? I mean. He's already won. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's unreal. I mean, look, the, the debate's out again as it always is, but I mean, we all know the guy should have been in MotoGP. I mean, well, yeah. I, where do you rate him on? Like, when you look at your your top three or top five world superbike riders of all time, to me, it's it's not even really close. Like to me, Johnny is just. I feel Johnny's. I mean. You can't. You got to look at level of competition. And again, we we talked about this last week with Heron. You can't choose who you race against. All you can do is choose who you do things. But what I think that is insane is he's beat everybody that's come his way. But his level of 
passion to still go out and win, his level of commitment to still go hang out on the line and deal with the new challenges of like the top racks and the Batistas on the Ducati again and whatever else is coming down the pipeline in the next two years. We don't know who's going to be here in the next two years. His ability to find that commitment level to still want to go hang it out as much as he does after winning all the championships, that to me, that's pretty incredible. I will argue that Johnny Ray is the fastest guy with kids I've ever seen. Troy Bayless had kids. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it did, like that. Wait, did Troy have I, kids at his peak? I think, well, Ollie because is if you, really, if you really now, break it but... down, Jay, think about this. Break it down of the years that we've been around. So, you know, yeah. let's go from the mid-90s and stuff. Yeah. There are very few champions Agreed. that, that, that won kids. a championship that had kids. Very, very few. Well, even fewer that are as dominant. Like when you have somebody that's dominant, like there's a balance there, I think, that these guys come across. And I think that it goes down to having the right wife, having the right lifestyle, uh, the understandingness of the selfishness that comes involved and gets involved with writing. When you have somebody, you know, and it looks like Johnny's got all those things where. Yeah, it allows you such to train, a, allows you to go do exactly. the PR, allows you to do all that a great, stuff. There's yeah. a great balance there. There's a great balance there, it seems. And you've got to have that in your life. And it still allows him to stay focused on what he's doing and move forward. And for me, he's the best all time. I mean, the Troy Bayless is the Carl Fogarty's Colin Edwards. I mean, who's, you know. Fred Merkel. I mean, look. We only got to see him for one year, but how do you not say Ben Spees? I mean, Ben Spees, one year, goes over there on a goes to a bunch of new tracks and wins the world championship. I mean, it's hard to compare, right? Fred Merkel, like you say, um, it's hard to compare. Poland, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, Doug there's Poland, been some... but, but look, you look at what this guy has done and it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, Greg, he's got like, it's got to be like what, like 102 wins now just on Kawasaki's or 103 wins on Kawasaki's. I know he just passed the hundred mark. Not that long ago. One podiums, you know, yeah, like, for, for Cowie and that's for Cowie all the way across. Next time we talk to Johnny, I want to ask him about his electronics um, evolution, because that's another thing. You know, some people transition from no electronics to electronics and they're correct. They found it a struggle. Um, you know, there's been a, a change in how electronics are being approached. I know that for sure. In the time that Agreed. Johnny, Right. Predictive. Yeah. To, you yeah. Know, whatever, you know. And so I'm, I'm curious to talk to him about it. But anyway, I mean, you know, it's, and it's dude, interesting that you say that because he would be a guy that has come all the way through. He's it's he's been a guy that has come through BSB prior um, into World Super into World Super Sport into World Super Bike. Yeah, he's had he's had to have been very adaptive to changes as the years have rolled on and, and that's I think, why i look at rossi and say that's exactly he's why he my all-time guy because it's been so different over well, the he's years. had to he's had to yeah no no question no question adapt and adapt and adapt and then oh, off advances and different size motorcycles and different yeah firing orders and two strokes to four and just yeah just incredible what he did yeah yeah but anyway, um, speaking of Mark Marquez, you know, there's some news coming out that he is allowed to begin his physiotherapy and his cardio after his post-op on his right shoulder. So that's um, good news. You know, I know you've been keeping an eye on the story, Jay, and the topic, you know, they race until November. I mean, do you think it's possible for him to come back this year? I don't think it's even smart to. Why would he at this stage? You know, I think that right now they've uh, they announced Alex Rins today, didn't they? Even though we know that no, deal I didn't was done. No, I did see that. Yeah, LCR Honda has, has announced Renz. Um, 
And and we knew that. Well, I say we knew. I don't know shit, but we read that that was going to happen anyways. So mm-hmm. so Rins is on the Honda. You got to think that the mirror signing is only if it has if it already hasn't happened. I'm sure it will get announced after the summer break that mirrors there. I think that what they need to do now, to be honest, is get him as fit as he possibly can be. You got to get it to where this guy can try to not have to deal with the pain and the suffering that he was dealing with after, you know, the whole reason he went to go get the surgery done. And there's zero reason to take chances with this guy trying to come back and ride this year. I don't think, um, maybe he could be there for the test after the last race of the year, you know, Greg, I mean, that might be the spot, like get him back on the bike, getting some familiarity back with the bike. And if he's got a new crew of a new team of riders to help develop this bike, you know, if he's got Mir and Rins and maybe um, Agura, right? Agura might be going to Honda as well. There's essentially three new brains that are going to get plugged into this bike that they've got to try to come up with a solution. Honda has to come up with a solution to make this bike a winning package for not just one rider. They've got to figure out a way to make this bike a winning package for more than that. So obviously, I think the Rins Mir signings for Honda are are thought out if that ends up being the case. Yeah, like I, I say, so I see the Rins thing, but the Mir is Mir announced? He hasn't announced. Well, no, he's not announced. Not announced. But we've just, you know, you kind of just hear that that's where he's headed. Paul mm-hmm. Spargo apparently is going back to KTM, which I find interesting. So, yeah, I just think that it'll be, it's it's going to be, um, I think for, for, uh, for Marquez, just get healthy, right, Greg? I mean, there's no reason to come back and push things. I It was weird because even after the race that he, you know, at the last race he did, and he announced that he's he's done after that. I was surprised they even rolled him out of the garage Sunday. Like so was I. Like what Didn't is really the sense. point of being there if you're leaving anyways? Uh, why run the risk, especially if you know you're weak on the bike and you're not that? It's almost as bad as as Yamaha sending Quadraro back out. Right, the last race after he crashes comes in the pits. No, go back well, out, do more laps. Yeah, at Assen. I agree. Hundred yeah, percent is right. It's an Assen. And we're both move. sitting there going like, what is going on there? So yeah, why yeah, would yeah. You do that. Guys yeah. leading the championship and can't score. I, I, you stupids. I love this next news. This next little news item. What that Jack Miller's been racing and winning in the yeah. MotoGP. So he races a Red Bull KTM off-road bike, which he's going to KTM. However, there's Ducati badging on it and stuff like that. But so I think people make kind of a big deal. I mean, obviously Ducati does not make a freaking motocross bike, so they have yeah. to ride something, right? Um, he went three-two. In the o- and, and was second overall in the 125 two-stroker class. He goes 2-1 in the open class on a four-stroke in a, in a series called Battle of the Bush motocross event in Conondale, Queensland, Australia. I think it's Conondale. Um, but he also finished seventh in a three-hour team event. So the dude is serious, bro. What, do you, what are your thoughts on training and racing? Like, you know, racing for training, you know, we, we, you know, it's always the same speech, right? When somebody crashes on a motocross bike and hurts themselves, they got to sit out of race. Road race fans are like, why? Because you got to, you know, because skills, man, you know, you keep your skills fresh, but this dude, Jack loves being on a bike, doesn't he? I mean, Jack loves being on a bike and good for him. You know I mean? Look, it's funny, G-Dub, because you know me, I'm not the best motocrosser, but I used to line up all during the winter. I used to line up and race local MX races just because it just kept my brain kind of sharp. Now I got hurt really bad. I, that's the first place I ever broke my leg uh, was at a CMC golden state national uh, way back when. 
And I was like, oh man, I got like I got to rethink this. But it was probably about three years later, I went back out and did a few of those again, where I I would just go to like a, a Friday night race. And really, what it was more about was getting the heart rate up, getting 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 on the line with a bunch of riders. And um, for me, that's what it was all about: getting a training session or two in. Because it's the I one love thing it. you, I you love can't it. you can't duplicate or replicate actually lining up or competition. No, and that's I agree. Same reason why I'm going to shoot archery this weekend, Jay, is because yeah. I actually have a tournament in three weeks after you know two weeks after this for the national championship for a dis- for different discipline. And I'm like I've got to go. I've got to go feel the feels. You know, yeah, there's no way no, to do it's it. Hundred percent right. And I think that and Jack loves being on a bike. And it's isn't it winter night now in Australia too? I think it's yeah, cold yeah, down yeah. there right now. So yeah, yeah. so you know, so he's out doing what he wants to do and fair play to him. It he's man, I've just I've never heard a bad thing about him. He's just a good dude. So I didn't get to see the photos though, so I'm interested to see the Ducati badging that's on the actual bike or him or, it's or just whatever. Stickers. So you know what I mean? Stickers, stickers are, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, on the motocross bike, you just make that sticker kit. And I think there was something somewhere else. I saw one photo, and you could just see, like, you know, it's not like a street bike where you have the tank. You know, it's just you put a sticker over it, and it had all this K- the Red Bull sponsors and all that stuff. But, again, it's all that Red Bull tie, right? KTM, yeah, Red Bull, could... you know, Paul Sparger, Red Bull, KTM. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know, when this whole thing happened with Jack, and I was like, I I didn't understand the KTM move. I thought, I thought if he could go ride – like a Grassini Ducati or something that's already proven that they're capable of winning this year. Something that we know is capable of winning. The more I think about this move, the more I like it. Because I still think Jack is super motivated. And you can see that even by him going and racing motocross. I mean, the guy still wants to be on a bike. He still wants to ride. Maybe maybe he could help Fender get that bike to another level. I don't know what the case was with Oliveira there. Don't really understand it because Oliveira has won like four Grand Prix, hasn't he? I mean – when Oliver signed, when when Oliver signed with KTM to race MotoGP, did you pick him as ever being a MotoGP race winner? No, no I definitely not did not. I definitely did not. So, obviously, that guy is incredible as well. But maybe this would be a good move for Jack. Maybe going and being on that KTM and all the different tie-ins that that's going to offer him could be really, really good. Let's talk, Greg. About that is your news presented by the Riot. By the way, thank you. <laughs> Um, well yeah. Is that good? Did I do it like you? Yeah, uh, that's great. Considering you like race you. on an, a ride on an AGV, that was great. Yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> hey, a ride, you know, a ride does our podcast for us. Fair play yeah, to him. No, 100%. Jeff, Jeff yeah. has been amazing to us. So, uh, let's talk about the weekend. I don't really know what to talk about on the weekend. I watched World Superbike and Some, I mean, uh, look, you know what? World Superbike, sum it up in one word for me. Top rack. Top rack. I mean, he was on rail this weekend. The track that he loves, Jeez. Top Rack was Gattiaglu, like pretty much stomped his way back into the championship with as many races as we still have left. He won all three races, Greg. And when you look at even the – when you look at by the margins that he won by, I mean, like, think about this. The guy led into turn one every race and was never challenged. When I say he was never challenged, Johnny challenged him a little bit in the Super Bowl race. Um and race he challenged two. him pretty hard. He challenged him pretty hard in race two, but just couldn't like. For Johnny, it looked like it was hard work. For Top Rack, it looked like okay, uh, you know, I can fight with this guy. Is no problem. The thing but about John, Top like Rack, in, yeah. no, go ahead. The thing about Top Rack that's so impressive, Greg, is how hard he breaks. How that, that's... how that is just such a key thing for him. It's again, it, it's the tale of of, of racing. 
number one, do I have a bike that can go fast? Number two, do I have a bike that I can fight with? And that's where Top Rack has got it at that downhill. I mean, like, oof, man, you know, Top Rack just kept making mistakes before that downhill right-hand corner. And I'm sorry, I don't know all the names at Donington, but the hairpins, where yeah. He, yeah. So yeah. he would make a mistake. Johnny would ru- just just kind of blow past him because Johnny really had that whole section dialed well, in. And you could yeah. just see from position on the track that did Johnny, like what it looked like to me, and we'll have to ask him about it someday. But what it seemed to me was Johnny knew no matter what, Top Rack was going to attack him there. And so instead of trying to pinch the inside line off and, you know, put him behind him, Johnny was giving enough respect to top rack where he knew top rack just put the bike next to him and the couple passes this i'm talking specifically about race two but top yeah. rack has so much control over the bike and it really is just a matter of when johnny's got a full fuel load he's got fresh tires and stuff he could attack but it's when this stuff started to go off in the heat it's really hot you know i'm sure it's it's been all over my twitter feed because you know hit 40c in the uk yeah my mom my mom's over there right now (laughs) she's she's miserable g-dub yeah yeah Yeah. and it's like dude it's hit 40c in other places but yeah the uk is not prepared for it it's not like it's the difference between the northeast and the southeast here in Mm -hmm. the united states you go up to boston boston's getting ready to have a heat wave of like 93 94 93 something like that three days in a row in a couple of days Wow. That's fine down here. Yeah. You, you go from an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned house to an air-conditioned building Correct. that's got central air. Up there, you look at some office buildings in Boston or some houses. They don't even have AC yeah, or they have crazy. window units that are like literally families up in the Northeast will, will, will basically huddle in one room that has an air conditioning unit in the window, you know? Yep. And so it's, it's not a matter of the heat. It's a matter of prepared for the heat. Same thing we saw in Seattle last year. On yep. Sunday night, oh, there were no gosh. hotel rooms available because people don't have AC up there, and it was a hundred yeah. plus degrees, you know. So anyway, it, it's it's pretty brutal for them. But but there was the heat leading up to this forty C day today in the UK over the weekend, and so it just seemed like the Yamaha, especially with Top Rack really underneath it, was what was the was the deal. Now Garrett Gerloff was like fast in free practice three, right? Correct. Is that yeah. I? Yeah, and I so I thought right. that Garrett was going to have something. Unfortunately, Garrett kind of went backwards, you know, during the weekend. Like he had his best finish in race one, and then he went a little bit, you know, less than two and three, and so on, or race whatever yeah, Super Bowl. He was tenth in, in the Super. He was tenth in the Super Bowl race. He was eleventh in the in the second race, Greg. And like you say, in the first race, he was seventh. Look, man, it's at that stage. I think for Garrett, where something's got to change. He needs a new change of atmosphere. He needs something. He might love his team. He might love everything about it. And it's a great story. But something has definitely gone sideways for him ever since Aston last year. Um, it's it's whatever is whatever is going on there. It's not working anymore for Garrett, and it sucks because I think I think we both know. I think we feel. I think a lot of people feel like he's got the pace, he's got the speed, but he doesn't have the raceability in him. Something is. Yeah, he's not a complete package right now. Yeah, that's, something that's, has just something line. has something has shook him up, and he and he can't get through that mentally. And for me, it literally looks like a mental thing. I don't think it's a machinery thing. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Greg, because I'm watching I'm watching Locatelli this year too. Locatelli, World Supersport Champion from a couple of years ago, on that same bike that Top Rack and Garrett are riding. And you look at Locatelli. He last year was the guy that kind of came forward to challenge the other big three that were kind of there. Uh, and last year it was obviously Redding and Top Rack and Johnny. And Lock- Locatelli this year is really nowhere. 
he ends up 10th in the first race. He ends up eighth in the Super Bowl race, and he ends up eighth in the in the race two. When you look at that, you know, again, is this bike getting developed for one guy? Because Top Rack is such an incredibly hard breaker. What are they taking from his bike and maybe applying it to the other's bikes that isn't working or isn't working as well, right? So you sit there and you go, Locatelli shouldn't be that far back, should he? Just like Garrett shouldn't be that far back. But is there something that they're doing to the R1 that that maybe is benefiting Top Rack more than the others? Well, we know they take a, they definitely took a step backward, right? Did mm-hmm. Yamaha. Like they made a mistake in the offseason, and it looks like from what Top Rack has been saying after Donington that he's finally back to being Top Rack. But I think the writing on the wall is that the bike is finally good where he can be Top Rack. It's not like he forgot how to ride Correct. Winner. So that's the, I was, I was going to bring this up to you and ask you that question, but you already brought it up. So that's what I look at. And I think, mm, if you look at the average finish last year of a Yamaha, of a Yamaha, other Yamahas versus this year, I'm willing to bet. It feels like it's a lot less than it was last year. So there's, there's something that they made a mistake on that Crescent or whoever develops that bike made a little bit of an error on, or they wanted to change something like Ducati did in MotoGP. And now they've kind of figured out, to change because maybe it is a huge improvement for the future, but they had to figure it out a little bit, but the other riders quite haven't sorted it out. So, you know, we have our typical three up front. We have top rack. Now, obviously we have Bautista who's leading the championship. Yeah, his deficit's yeah. been cut to 17 and you have uh, Johnny up there in the mix too, with a bike that looked more raceable on Sunday for sure, but just couldn't go the distance in terms of, of the pace. Although early on, I felt like Johnny looked faster than top rack. I agree. Uh, I agree. In ge- in general, yeah. But he just couldn't Top Rack just knows how to race Johnny. I mean, it's just about getting in front of him and 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 blowing the rhythm. So, but what impressed me the most, I think, was probably the step that uh Scott Redding was able to make on the BMW. Yeah. You know, they have that new swing Agreed. arm. It's developed by Calex, I guess, you know, in a relationship with them. And so that, I, I really liked what I saw out of Scott Redding. I get it. It's his home race. It's blah, 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 blah. So I want to see yeah. another race or two. But obviously, the BMW couldn't hold on and do the distance. Once the tire went off, there's some... But that's that's a brand new swing arm. They only tested it, like, I think once or twice. And so that's just an experience thing. And from what was said in the broadcast, I think it was during one of the practices that I watched. Yep. Uh, and the pit reporter talked to the, the main principal. They're allowed to do one other change. So... They were like, oh, you got this new swing arm. It's great. It's great. And, and the indication was, yeah, this is just a step to where we want to get to for the next evolution of the swing arm. And by World Superbike rules, they're only allowed a couple of, of like major upgrades like that a year. And yep. BMW is holding on to one more. So I like that because we know the I, motors are I agree. Well, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that you can look at it as his home race. These guys don't – you got to remember, it, okay, a home race. They only race there once a year. I know he did BSB there. But at the end of the day, it's it's World Superbike pace is World Superbike pace. You can't look at it like it's just a home race because – and I don't think Scott's looking at it like that either. Hearing his comments after the race, he felt like that that narrative was getting brought up to him a lot. And when he was asked very point blank, are these changes that you felt this week, are there things that, there, that you're going to be able to take to most at the next round in check and – They'll be applicable. And he said, I really do believe that the things that we have changed, the stuff that we've made. I mean, Greg, when you think about it, they had different handlebars, different foot pegs, different seating position, different swing arm. 
there was a lot of things that they had there to make him more comfortable. And I thought he rode great. And you could see from race one through the Super Bowl race to race two that the changes that they made to the bike in each one of those races were helping him getting further and further along. He gets BMW's first podium. He was only just off the podium in race one. Um, Alex was able to beat him in race one after Batista crashed out of race one. It was Rosgott, uh, was top rack, Ray and Lowe's. Well, Redding was right there. He was fourth in the Super Bowl race. Great. He ended up third and he held off Batista and Lowe's in that race. Um, he did a, a great job and he was only 3.8 seconds back of the race winner. And, and in the final race of the weekend, he ended up fifth. So he was in the top five all weekend long. But one of the things that if you that he said that I thought was really poignant, he didn't care about the result. All he cares about is how far behind the winner he was. And you've heard all everybody talk about that. And it's so relatable because when I was riding for Jordan, Jordan, I was finishing fifth or sixth every superbike race, it felt like. And everybody like, oh, great job. I'm like, yeah, I'm 40 seconds back. It's not a great job. Mm. It sucks. And the one thing he talked about is like, hey, the deficit is closer. I could still see the leaders. Like, that's a big, that's a bike performance thing. You know what I mean? It's not a result. Yeah, yeah, but in addition to that, Jay, think about what it does to the mental. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not just the team morale, but his morale yep. with this, as he calls it, I think he calls it like a developing project. You know, it, it, like he's got a really good attitude, but when you when you get those results, and he did say after free practice too, I think, they interviewed him after Friday, and he just said, "Look, it's a it's a good weekend for us if we're in contention for a podium." And he he was. I mean, he was right there. He ran the pace that he knows his brain can run. It's just a matter of getting the bike to do it. And so Correct. I think I think most impressive rider of the weekend in World Superbike goes to Scott Redding in the BMW. Pretty in- pretty good. It's hard it's hard to argue with what Top Rack did and to vault himself back into the championship. I'm sure I've got the results of all the races. I know you probably have the championships. You said, I know Johnny's 17 points back who was Johnny was 30 something points back coming in. So even though he got beat by Batista, by Batista in race two, he talked a lot about brake fade in that race. He had brake fade. He said he had, his mouth was actually getting dry from following top rack early with exhaust fumes and things. Cause I agree. I felt like at the beginning of the race, Johnny had pace and I almost felt like if he could have just got away from, if he could have just got away from Top Rack for one lap, maybe, maybe it would have been a little bit different. Um, but Top Rack kind is of the so- way I feel. It's yeah. If he if Top Rack wasn't able to pass him where he did pass him back twice after. Well, Johnny he passed him back him. both in the. I think it's they call it the old hairpin and the old the, hairpin is that the downhill right hand the corner, downhill right? tight right. And the Kawasaki's looked like they were really struggling coming out of there with acceleration and and or grip. It really did look like what Top Rack is capable of doing. If you take both those bikes and you stop them at the apex of the corner, it looked like the Yamaha had a little bit better grip and acceleration out of the tight stuff than did either of the Kawasaki's. When Al was battling with uh, Redding in those races, I could see it. Where the Kawasaki still looked okay was um, down through some of the faster stuff where it's like more third gear type of corners that you're rolling through. They looked okay in those spots, but man, when you have to get, and and again, the heat really affects the Kawasaki. And so it looks to me that like when they get into those really stop and slow turns, the acceleration and the grip for the Cowie doesn't seem to be there like it does for the other bikes. So that's definitely something that they've got to work on. 
I don't know how many real, like when you look at most, most is real flowy, isn't it? I mean, super flowing, very one-lined, it seems like, hard to pass. Um, when do they go there, Greg? Is it a couple weeks away? Uh, is it the same week we're in Brainerd? Yeah, same week we're in Brainerd. Yeah. So, you know, you look at some of the other results. Let's talk about Batista. He ends up crashing out of race one. I mean, that was the ultimate commentator's curse. The boys were literally talking about <laughs> how good he's been and he's not messing things up. Now, Greg, I'll tell you this. You'd much rather, as a rider, you'd much rather, and as a team, you'd much rather see your rider do that in race one and then come back and put in a couple of solid results after. The second race, which was Super Bowl race, he ended up finishing fourth. Then in the last race of the weekend, he really ended it on a high note. He was only 1.1 behind top rack at the end of that race at a track where the Ducati has struggled. I think I think Batista did a really nice recovery job as far as he crashes in turn one. It would have given him an opportunity to really kind of go south. But he came back in, race, in the Super Bowl race and ended up fourth. But then he salvaged something at the end of the weekend that they can leave with their heads held high, finishing second. I was impressed with that second second race ride. Definitely a salvage job. Yeah, um, it was it was impressive considering the chatter about Ducati and how it doesn't really go well around there. So right, but you know, at the end of the day, Bautista has a seventeen point lead, whereas Scott Lioglu is Pridmore behind uh, of of <laughs> Bautista. That means 43 points, people. Um, Thanks for explaining. You know, just to give you an idea, there's still what? You have most, Magnacor, Barcelona, Portimao, um, and you have three after that. We finish off. So there's plenty of points on offer, and you have 62 points available for each round in terms of if you, if you sweep like Top Rack did, which is the okay. only... The only sweep so far this year, by the way. Was, Amazing. Was this round and it's the first time. Yet. I think it's the first time he's ever done that. Oh, is that correct? I think that's oh. what they were saying. I think Steve English was saying that. I, I believe that's what they were saying, that it was like the first time. It feels like ever... he would have more of those. That last it really year, does. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but you got to remember, so... I, think, I think last year, Johnny was so good in the Super Bowl races. Remember, like that was, he was good at those. So mm-hmm. he'd win a Super Bowl race and maybe Top Rack would win the others, but. Um, I'm really See, that's liking the thing with top rack yeah. right now, Jay, you got two things you got to worry about if you're the other teams and that is yeah. obviously outbreaking him, right? Making a raceable motorcycle. But the second bit is that, that allows the tire to last as long as top racks seems to last. Right. That's really yeah. the biggest problems. I, I think moving forward, if this, if this trend continues, if it wasn't just that special weekend where, you know, everything kind of aligned. And if, if this is really top racks new, you know, rejuvenance or whatever, 43 points with the amount of points they have left doesn't feel like a lot. And last year, Top Rack was incredible at most. He was really, really good at this next track that they're going to. Um, I mean, some of the video that I remember seeing of him going into turn one at most with the rear wheel, you know, I mean, he just does it everywhere now. I mean, things off the ground. And like, Greg, it's a hard, like I said, it's a hard place to pass. The Ducati last year was incredibly fast up the front straightaway with Redding on it. So it's going to be the same way. I think that the Ducati with a Batista there, he's going to have to stay on there. He's going to have to stay close to them, try to get by them on the front straightaway. It's so sad to me again. I'll say this, that we're heading to, we're heading to this track in Czech when Bruno is <laughs> in Czech Republic. Also, it's, I'm mm-hmm. sure every rider on the, on the board would rather go to, uh, would rather go Bruno. to, to Bruno, it's just so good, but it's in it's in dire need of a repave. So, 
Um, yeah, well, I think that when you look at everything, G-Dub, like, like you said, championship point standings are what they are. Um, I love the battle right now between Ronaldo and Bassani. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff they've been talking to in the press, but like they're kind of going after each other a little bit. Um, so Ronaldo really wants to keep that seat. Sounds like Batista wants him there. Bassani, who's been like the best independent writer all year, just keeps coming out and kind of saying, like, like I'm not here to race against. I deserve it. Yeah, like I'm not here to race against scrubs. I'm not here to race against guys that aren't on factory bikes. But Ronaldo right now sitting fifth. Iker Lekawona sixth. Alex Lowe seventh. So I mean, yeah, we still got a long year to go. And um, yeah, did you watch any motocross from the weekend? Uh, I didn't get to see any moto. I saw oh. was, I saw some of the results though. So why was it yeah. good? was it really good? This, this it's just to, Tomac is so relentless. It's it's insane watching Tomac on a motocross bike. So the first race basically Sexton ran him down, and you've probably been up there to Springville, right? Have you been there? Yeah. Yep. I think that's where it was. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Mi- the- Millville, Millville, Minnesota. Yeah. It's it's gnarly, dude. It's got this uphill that's just insane. Like when yeah. you stand there and look at it, you're just like it's 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 a wall, and they got to race up a wall. You like kind of guys feel on that. 250s in practice that didn't even make it up the hill. That's funny. Like but, you sit there and you 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 can kind of tell on TV. And they had um, uh, Jeremy Martin was actually with Weeds this week on the call. You know his his family perfect. owns his family yeah, owns, owns the, the place. Track, yeah. So mm-hmm. and he was talking about how a week prior to the race he was up there weed whacking, and I thought it was really yeah. funny pick, picking up <laughs> trash. I thought it was funny listening to him say, but the track itself was pretty gnarly. Sexton ran down Tomac in the first race. Ran him down, started to pull away, crashed, picked it up, finished second. Second race, Sexton got out to the whole shot. Tomac was buried in like fourth or fifth, passed everybody, chased Sexton down, passed him, and then just, I mean, dude, it's just, he just is relentless. So Tomac ends up winning the race, got the points lead now. Sexton's there. Um, but it was, it was incredible stuff again. And, and of course, uh, Jet Lawrence did it again as far as the 250 category goes. Um, insane. he is insane. He's, I mean, right now it's, it's fun to watch all that stuff. So did they, you said they're, they have another race this weekend. They never stop. They never stop. They, they normally get one or two off once they get their season started and they have tw- uh, like what? 12, 12 events, outdoors. Is that what they have outdoor nationals? They have 12, 12 outdoor nationals. Yeah. So they have Washougal, which is like, what is Washougal's, that? Is that this week? That's, that's this weekend, yeah. Oh wow, that's gonna be great to watch. The only time I went to Washougal was when it was raining and there were still freaking thirty five, forty thousand people there Amazing. the whole day. But the track looks I, I just love the I love the layout, I love the track, the people are great. Um parking must be a nightmare, but I went there once, you dub. Never believe who I went there with. Yeah, you never believe who I went there with. I didn't go to, I didn't get to ride, but I went there and um a not during the national, you mean like you got to go? Yeah, I, I just or, got to go there during like a, a regular, you know, club race type thing. Um, yeah. Lincoln, when Lincoln lived, um, Lincoln's one of my best friends, obviously. When Lincoln lived up in Washington, he used to motocross. And I was on my way up there one day. He's like, Jay, I'm racing at Washougal. And it's because it's yeah. not far. It's it's right there next to Portland. It's not far. Yeah, yeah. It's right. It's right over the river. Over the and border. Just yeah. To the east. So, so I went there and man, like you say, I it's just gorgeous. It doesn't, it, it doesn't even look like a, looks like a national park when you go in there, you know, with all the trees and, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I got to go there and watch him race there. And I was like, man, I've got to come ride this place someday, but um, doubt that'll ever happen, but yeah, it would be great. So 
Yeah, what do we got this weekend? We got anything coming up this weekend? Uh, just, just outdoor, just moto, just moto. Wow. So, so no, mo- no, no world Superbike, no moto GP. Cause they're still on break and no moto America. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to get an interview. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to maybe, well, maybe what? Here's the deal. I'm yeah. a little bit hosed. Next, I'm a little bit hosed next week. Uh Oh, are we taking next week off? Well, we can figure it out. Um, I, I could just no maybe just do an out. interview, a one-on-one with someone and post it up. If people were into that, just to get some content out there. We'll just go ahead. We'll, we'll just we'll just talk about this so that everybody knows that's perfect. Like, yeah, you can. Just, yeah, this is this. By the way, this is how we do it, everybody. It doesn't this matter is if how we do the it. podcast or on the phone. This is exactly how this we do exactly it. I don't know goes. what you think. I don't know well, what you think. I, what do you want I, to do? I don't know. I'm leaving on Monday. I'm flying to Colorado, and I'm going to ride High Plains Raceway all day on Tuesday. Oh, cool! Really cool. I'm just going to, and it's to all the boys. It's like there's only going to be nine of us. Yeah, so that's right. I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't. Uh, are they going to, is like a Corey going to go out there? Alexander try to test No, no, I, I was going to, we tried to get that to work. It didn't work. So it's just uh. all the boys like David and Simon and, and, uh, Jason Grant and Liam Grant, which I'm pumped that I get to see those guys cause they're from that area, you know, and then John mm-hmm. Moshe is going, um, I yeah, there's not remember Moshe, you know, I do. <laughs> yeah. Moshe corner, last lap Moshe. He wants to come Moshe. beat you. You are creepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he. He's out to get you. He, I don't think you could. I don't think you could beat Moshe now. Uh, maybe I mean, dude. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think I could beat the water out of a t-shirt right now. I mean, you know, come on. Hey, you know what I did yesterday to kill myself? What? You're gonna love this. I went and got in the pool and did laps. And I'm like, I was in the pool like and I'm like, sky. well, I've been trying to get. I've been trying to get take care of myself a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. diet's been pretty on point. And I got in the pool, and it's been forever, right? So I get in this pool, and I used to do like 30 lengths of this thing back in the day. And I got in there, and I was at like six lengths, and I'm like, there's a good chance that I will be drowning today. There's a very good chance I'm going to drown in three feet of water because I was like – I was refusing to put my feet down like even though I was dying. And I'm like, man, I got to sort my shit out. This isn't good. It's not going to get any easier from here out. So I got I bought a rowing machine. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Should Great. be here. Should be here in like five days. It's one more place you can hang a sweatshirt over. Nice work, G Dub. Wow. Yeah. There's no. Confidence. If you guys, if you guys knew what Greg White had at his house, if you only knew, the last thing the guy needs is a rowing machine. It's one more piece of furniture that's going to be stuck in the house. That Not true. Gibbets has a better chance of using the rowing machine than you. Chip. <laughs> He's stronger than I am. He's that probably is, stronger. He is way. Uh, Gibbets is way stronger than I am. That is for yeah. sure. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll figure well, something out. We'll put some content up. Something next week, everybody. Don't you know with Jason or without Jason? We'll find out how it goes. When you get, that hurts. are you going? Are you going straight to from Brainerd? From I'm going go to go straight to Brainerd. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do, G Dub, is yeah, I'm just going to fly out Monday, ride all day mm-hmm. Tuesday, and then fly up to Brainerd on Wednesday morning. Me, Simon, okay. David, we're all on the same flight. Oh, did you bring your golf clubs? You're going to swing a little bit. Little, I thought about little. it, but I'm only going to be up there for a day. But I did think about it. Uh, no, I mean, what do you mean? Up at High Plains or Brainerd? You're going to be there early. Brainerd. I'm only because I get there Wednesday morning. By the time, you know, it's a two hour drive. By the time you get to where uh, our, our place is on a golf course, though. So, uh, anyways, we'll sort uh, it. Oh, uh, uh. all right. Well, that'll do it for our podcast then, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to our stuff and all that stuff. And, As always, Jason has the last word going out. Hey, everyone. Have a great weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week.